and everybody gets it back again. Don't take no mess out the rose garden. Jesus, they're on fire. They're what we desire. The men in black can handle it. Other teams can scrabble it. How they win that game today? There's just one thing you can say. How does Scotty shoot that three? Believe it, it ain't easy. How did Brian jump so sweet? Believe it, it ain't easy. It's the flying dot that's in your lap. As Damon takes it to the wreck. How the world did they do that? Believe it, it ain't easy. Drive your hooty to the game. Welcome back to the Rose Garden Report podcast. I am Sean Hyken, the author of the Rose Garden Report newsletter, which you could subscribe to at rosegardenreport.com. Free and paid subscriptions are available. A couple of days ago, I posted something uh, for the paid subscribers that I think a lot of people will be interested in checking out, which is I went back, you know, the, all the stuff going on with Dame and the trade request and, you know, all the uncertainty about all that kind of made me curious how Bill Walton's trade request from 1978 was covered in the media at the time. And so I went and did a deep dive where I went back and looked at old newspapers and magazines and stuff from the late 70s and just kind of put together how it was written about, how it was talked about, and all that kind of stuff. And it was a lot of fun to put together. And I that's something, again, if you're a paid subscriber, you can go get that. Uh, I'm going to do something similar for Clyde Drexler in the coming weeks, maybe probably the next week or two. That's going to be out. So again, if you want to read that or if you want to you know, be a paid subscriber, that's a thing you can do. The podcast, as always, you can get on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, Odyssey app, all the usual places. Make sure you subscribe, rate, review, do all the usual stuff for podcasts. Today, you know, not a whole lot of news. Nothing new happening at all with the Dame stuff. So just, you know, Eric and I got together again. You kind of know what that is by now. You know the vibes. But, you know, we just kind of take stock of where everything is at with the Dame stuff and what non-updates they are. And, you know, we talk about where the rest of the roster is at and some of the holes that are still there and some things that could be done to fix some of those holes and some summer league reactions. And then we go into kind of some other directions and some different rabbit holes. You guys know how we usually do. So it's just one of those. It's, 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 it's a good time as always. So let's just get to that right now. How are we doing? Hey, we're on. It feels like we're kind of, uh, I don't I turned on first take today, which as some of you might know, I, I've thought of this before, or, you know, I watch first take a lot. It's a toxic trade. We've of mine. called this your toxic trade. Yeah, before, it's, one, yes. it's one of them. Uh, and today they were just talking about Joel Embiid. There's not a single like segment, at least that I saw, about Dame. It felt like we were on the other side of. Oh, it felt like we crossed the Rubicon a little bit, even though Dame is still on the Blazers and hasn't gotten traded yet. It does feel like the cycle. You tweeted about this yesterday, but it does feel like the. The cycle now that they've broken Dame down to request the trade, they they've moved on to a new a new a new target, which is what they do. Yeah, so I saw that uh, that whatever conference or whatever event thing that Joel was at was it yesterday, the day before? It was a, it was like some kind of be. podcast or something. Yeah, yeah, it was like him and Maverick Carter. It was whatever, but like which he third, said, third eye open on that one. He is not with CAA anymore. I don't know where he, who he has as an agent now, but he's not with CAA. I wonder if there's something, I don't know. But anyway, he says something to the effect of like, I just want to win a championship, whether it's with Philly or anywhere else. And he says this while 
you know, James Harden has asked for a trade and there is not any more progress on that happening than there is on the Dame stuff. And yeah, it's, it's, and this is something that I've been saying really since this Dame thing started. It's, you know, all of these people that, you know, you see them on, you know, Stephen A. Smith for years has been going on first take being like, I just feel so bad for Damian Lillard. That he is wasting his career in Portland. None of these people actually care about him or it's his well or what's best for. They it's care just about feeding him. The, and they just, but it's just, it's just every the machine has to be fed because so as soon as Dame asks for a trade, people get bored with that because nothing new is going to happen with that. So now they're moving on to Embiid, and then once the Embiid thing happens, now it's going to be like, oh, what's Giannis going to do? Or oh, like like we got to we got to we, we we need to get Anthony Edwards out of Minnesota. Like it's just going to keep going down the like it's just. You know, what, once you're not the guy that people are trying to get to ask for a trade anymore, it's just who's the... And, I, and I've, I've been... I've seen behind the scenes how this works at certain media outlets that I used to work for. This is, like, all a lot of these places care about. And once something happens or doesn't happen with one guy, they just move on to the next guy. And I kind of feel like now, you know, Embiid... And, and to be clear, just like how Dame kind of opened himself up to this stuff when he did the Showtime interview the other week or whatever on the boxing show where he talked about Miami and Brooklyn. Joel saying that, I don't know if it was intentional or calculated or not, but he opened himself up to it. But it's just, you know, it's it's just it's just very plain just, you know, how the machine works and you know what's going on where yeah, okay, now people have kind of moved on to the next guy. Yeah, and it's it's and nothing and and nothing has happened. Uh, and I think that is like the, it's just like with the nothingness, people have have to have to fill the airspace, especially this time of year. Cause ESPN has, you know, they're not going to talk about baseball right now. They're talking about Embiid. They're talking about college football. They're talking about NFL train, like rookies re reporting to NFL training camp. Like the system moves on and, uh, it does feel though that with the system moving on, it does feel like there's a little bit more frustration, at least publicly from the Miami heat that this isn't already done. I did see that yesterday. There was the, I saw the Levitard clip that was being kind of circulated and yeah, I, my, my personal read on that was that going that hard about Tyler hero tells me that they are not finding a team that's willing to give up real stuff for him. Right. Which would be something that has a chance to be a lottery pick a good player of positional value to the Blazers. Those things aren't happening. It seems like, and it with the aggressive way with which Lebetard went about that, which is very like, it was weird. Cause he doesn't really normally do that. Like he usually will do that. Like after the fact, if the heat did something, but the way he was going so hard and the way that entire show has been going super hard against Woj for that one report, which even in that report, they said something that I don't think is true, that three to five teams are willing to give up first round draft equity and important and pieces of importance for Tyler Hero. Like Woj put that in the article. And I don't think that that's true either, which was a favor to the Heat, in my opinion, or at least a, 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 a way to make the reporting look more objective. But which, you know, I wouldn't put past Woj either, just to, like, you know, make it look a little bit more on balance. But I, I just don't – I just think that where they're at right now is they're frustrated that this deal isn't being taken by the Blazers. And 
the Blazers clearly value Damian Lillard more than the Heat do. Because, I mean, Bill Simmons has this great section in the trade value column, which I think Dame is much higher on than this section. But there's that section that he has where he's worth more to us than he is to you. And I think Damian Lillard is squarely in that category for the Blazers in that he's worth so much more in terms of draft equity, what you need to do moving forward, how you remake the team after he leaves. Like, it's such a critical thing to get right that it seems like Miami doesn't give a shit, and that's their prerogative, but I think it's kind of it, – it does a disservice to basketball fans to not actually talk about the basketball reasons why this trade doesn't work for Portland, and which always gets – glossed over and even Levitard himself was saying I don't want to get into a discussion about why Portland doesn't need him why don't you why don't you want to talk about the actual basketball factor in this and I think that's a huge part of the conversation that at least nationally I haven't heard enough of except for like Bill Simmons but everyone kind of couches that and he's a Boston fan and wants and just doesn't want Miami to end up with Dane right instead of you know which I think everybody that has an opinion about basketball has an opinion from a place, uh, has a POV, so to speak. Yeah. And so. Yeah, no, and I think there's something to the idea that I'm sure, I'm sure Bill, and I don't know Bill at all, but like, I'm sure that Bill as a Celtics fan would prefer that Damian Lillard not end up in Miami. Yeah. And I think something that I, something that I said, something that I said, and you know, this is why I thought it was so funny that, that, uh, that Levitard was talking, was going so hard about, oh, Tyler Hero is better than Tyrese Maxey. Okay, well, if the Sixers, first of all, there's been no indication that the Sixers are interested in trading for Dame or that the Sixers would, you know, are interested in trading Tyrese Maxey for Dame. But even if that were the case, I feel pretty confident in saying that Tyrese Maxey would be something that Portland would want to reroute to a third team also. The whole thing, and I, I something I said, I have something I'm writing about the rest of the roster for later in the week that you know i can get into later if you want oh, to we should but, we uh, should i want to talk about the roster if tyler if there was a six foot eight wing who was like the equivalent talent level of tyler hero that was on offer in one of these deals this deal would probably already be done but they're already paying and I've, i say this a million times they're already paying anthony simon's you know what they're paying him and they have scoot henderson and shaden sharp that are like their future so what is another defensive, like not great defensive guard who's a you know scoring guard who's making that much money do for them? Which is why, and even even like I've even seen Miami, you know, I, the, the 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 idea of like this being like a one for one, you know, of straight across Portland Miami, you know, two team deal like that. Even that has been kind of th- like everybody kind of realizes that's not a thing anymore. That that, that can it happen. doesn't seem like the Heat but, think that though. No, they don't. But then they're but. But then there's always, yeah, that just kind of gets hand-waved away of like, oh, well, you can just you know, send Hero to a third team. They can get good picks. You can get stuff. Okay, well, why is that team not presented itself then? This is exactly my view of it. And I think, I mean, Brooklyn is a team that gets thrown out a lot for I don't this. think they're interested. See? Like, and, and, and look, I mean, I get that, like, I guess the most comparable player on the Nets roster to Tyler Hero right now is Spencer D. We, who is older however that means that he's probably going to be way cheaper on his next contract than whatever you might have to pay hero and i think there is something to be said for having players in different age brackets i think 
Dinwiddie being a little bit older might make him more amenable to like fitting in with the group. And he's been a six man a zillion times before. Hero's only 23. If he's getting traded from the Heat, he's going to want like all the shots and all like, is he really going to want to come to Brooklyn and take a back seat to Bridges? Like, I just don't know if that would work for him either. And so, and I think Brooklyn might be thinking this through and, and they also have some other young guards, but like, so that is, is, is the hard part for me. Uh, Utah is another team that has gotten thrown out there. They have Sexton, they have Jordan Clarkson, who those, those are guys like it just, you start or Detroit is another team that I've heard mentioned. They have Ivy, they have Cade, they have Osar Thompson. Like this is hero you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just talking about all these third hypothetical teams that have been named on podcasts and, thrown out there as potential landing spots, you think about them and talk about them for two minutes and you're like, oh yeah, it doesn't really make a lot of sense for those teams to be in the Tyler Hero business. Yeah, and that's kind of why they are where where they are. It's also, it's it's been very funny to me because like one thing I, you know, when I was down in Vegas, one thing I heard a lot from people on the Miami side were like, Oh, the deal's done. They're just waiting for it. They're just waiting to announce it. As far as I know, they haven't even talked. And I've also, by the way, I also did. You see the interview that Daryl Morey did today on some radio station in Philly? No, I, I saw quotes. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't listen to it. I'm just going to read a couple of these quotes. Uh, this is uh, while he wants to honor Harden's trade request. He added, "Quote: If we don't get either a very good player or something we can turn into a very good player." Uh, then we're just not going to do it. And then he says, he's wishing for a different situation contractually. If we can do something that is win-win, helps the Sixers, then we will look at it. If we can't, then we won't. And I just, I just, I just want to, I just want to caution Daryl Morey. The rest of the league and other players are looking at how he handles this. And if he does not do right by James Harden and sends him to the Clippers for whatever he can get back, Nobody's ever going to want to go to the Sixers. Nobody's ever going to want to go to the Sixers. They're never going to want to play for a team managed by Daryl Morey. Uh, Tyrese Maxey is looking at this closely. You know, like he's like watching. he's watching. He's up for an extension. He's up for an extension. He's wondering, you know, if they don't do right, if they don't do right by James Harden, is he going to sign the massive extension that makes him generational wealth? I don't know. Will he? Who can say? Who can say? I mean, I mean, this, we're just we're just talking. You know, people are talking. People are watching. People are watching Daryl Morey. They're thinking about boycotting the Sloan Conference. They're thinking about getting rid of the three point line. They're doing every. They're, they're really considering. You know, all the stops about you know what Morey's doing. They're even considering you know economic sanctions. It's just. I mean, this is. I mean, this is something you and I've talked about for years. <laughs> about how about how about how because daryl morey you know has invited national reporters to the sloan conference for years and you know returns people's texts and will will gossip with them off the record and stuff i like whenever he's in it like this this happened a couple years ago when ben simmons was trying to get traded and daryl didn't trade him before camp and he just he held out of camp and the way it was talked about on on like all the national shows and all the podcasts were was you know you just you one thing you know about Daryl Morey, he is going to hold out and get the best deal he can because he is just one of the greatest deal makers in the league. Yeah, and what he's doing is not different from the way that Joe Cronin is playing this Damian Lillard thing, where you know 
if he doesn't get a deal he likes, he's just not going to trade him. But it's talked about much differently with Joe, where it's like, oh, you know, he's he's just he's just being petty. He's doing Dame dirty. He, you know, he needs to just face reality and take this low ball offer from the Heat just to just to move on because it's not fair to the kids. It's not fair. It's not fair to Scoot Henderson and Shaden Sharp. Yeah, no, I've been reading Ira a lot, and one of his uh, he said, "How are the Blazers youngsters going to be able to focus with the ghosts of the past in the building?" It's like it's like Damian Lillard isn't going to be like dead. Like if he's on the team, he's going to be there. You know what I mean? Like. He's going to show up and do his job. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle of... So I just had this piece that went out yesterday on my site for paid subscribers, which you should... If this is something that sounds interesting to you, you should go check out. But I went back and read newspaper and magazine clippings from 1978 about Bill Walton's trade request. And that was a little bit of a different situation than the Dame thing because the reason that Bill Walton wanted to get traded was because he felt like the Blazers medical staff had mishandled his foot injury and kind of forced him to play with a broken foot. So it was a little bit of a different thing. An actual medical malpractice situation. Right. Yeah. I'm in the process of working on a similar piece about Clyde Drexler's trade request, which is probably going to be out in the next couple of weeks. And in reading stuff, which first, first of all, it is so wild to me like, this was almost 30 years ago that this happened. This was 1995, so 28 years ago. But it is wild to me to see bylines from people that I actually know personally who are still covering a league. Like, Dwight James was in the mix a lot at the Oregonian. Kerry Eggers in the mix nationally, like Sam Smith and Sean Powell. Like, people that I know, that I actually know personally, were, like, covering this at the time. But... Beyond that, it's very similar. That one, I think, is a lot more similar to Dame's situation where Clyde didn't actually want to leave Portland, but he saw they were going a little bit younger. They had just brought in Rod Strickland as a as a guard, you know, a couple, a couple of years before, and he kind of saw the way that it was going, and so he wanted to go somewhere where he had a better chance of winning. There was like a month. It, it, he, I think he asked to be traded, and I'm, I'm still like in the process of reading all this stuff, so I haven't put the full timeline together. I think he privately asked to be traded before the season started in 94, 95, and it didn't happen. And then in like January, he came out publicly and said he wanted to be traded, and then it didn't get done until the deadline like a month later. In the meantime, he still showed up and played and did his job and was, you know, was not it wasn't a thing the way that like the James Harden thing a, co- a couple of years ago in Brooklyn or in Houston was a thing or the way that Ben Simmons was a thing I think and I've said this consistently since this whole thing started I think if Dame is still in Portland at training camp it's going to be awkward but he's going to show up and be a pro and do his job he's not going to you know light the organization on fire or you know decide not to report to camp and i don't think they would ask him to stay home because i think they i just i think they they would see kind of the look that that would be for everybody and i mean yeah it would be a little bit awkward and it's i think awkwardness is a small price to pay to not be totally screwed yeah and that, that i think that's the calculus is like it's better for it to be a little bit awkward than it is to just capitulate to what Miami wants you to take. And 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 the season starting is the other variable that if the Heat struggle a little bit or say what if Port or if Portland plays well or or the opposite happens, who knows? But or another team emerges that has some young players that we don't even expect and then all of a sudden they're thinking, "Whoa, what if we trade for Dame and we see what happens?" Like, and I just think that those, the season 
and is the ultimate variable here that I think is a little under discussed is that this actual basketball basketball being played can change what the market is. And right now the market isn't changing because there's no basketball being played. But once basketball is played, the market dynamics will shift. People will get hurt. People will start to, you know, there will be personal things in training camp. There will be uh, extensions that aren't agreed to. There's going to be like, there's all kinds of stuff in this league with 30 teams that you don't know what's going to happen. And you know what Miami's offer of just hero and two picks is right now. And you know that they're willing to give that up any day of the week in now or February or January or December after December 15th, whatever it is. And also the December 15th deadline is another thing. What if got, what if teams that sign free agents suddenly become disillusioned with those free agents that opens up another market. Like it just, the market is what it is right now. But the thing about markets is that they change and the NBA, like it, and the NBA market is dictated a lot by the actual games that are happening. And so to me, it's more than logical for the Blazers to wait this out and see what other variables might pop up in the process because there's nothing wrong with waiting for them because Dame's under contract for four years. And, and if he hadn't signed the extension, it would probably be a different conversation, but he did. And I think that's where the Blazers are coming at it from is that there's no reason for them to rush into this when the market can shift and change and dynamics across the league can shift. One more Dame thing. And then we have other stuff I think that's worth, talking about uh, i'm assuming you've seen the clip of david griffin on whatever show on sirius xm talking about this whole situation i it, that's kind of made me think and it's just kind of it's just kind of put a thought into my head because i remember when uh you know the night of or like the day after the draft uh when they didn't trade the third pick they took scoot and then I, it was Woj that was on one of those shows. It was he was either on like Get Up or whichever one of those shows he was on, like the next day, Sports Center, whatever it was. And he said that he had heard from other GMs in small markets that had been calling Joe Cronin and saying, "You cannot trade this pick. It's malpractice to trade the pick with the new CBA and how hard it is to get talent in small markets." I kind of feel like we're starting to see, you know, you look at like David Griffin's comments where he basically said on this whatever Sirius XM show he was on that, uh, you know, Joe Cronin is not going to make a bad deal. And it's good news for him that all these rumors are out there and all these different scenarios are out there because that gives him leverage. I come kind of starting to see some of these small market GMs in this in this scenario also, in this whole Dame situation, also kind of closing rank. And I wonder if Joe is getting calls from other GMs in, like, the David Griffin, you know, Sam Presti group of, like, Kevin GMs. Ke- his, in, his, his guy, Kevin Pritchard in Indiana. Kevin Pritchard, like, yeah. Like, like, sure, yeah. whoever. Basically saying, you know, I wonder, I wonder, and this is, I, I haven't talked to Joe about this. I haven't talked to Joe in a while because his, you know, he, 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 he was he was elusive during, uh, during Summer League. He did the press conference, but that, like, other than that, I wasn't really able to get to him, so I haven't heard any of this from him directly, but I wonder if he's feeling some pressure to do this for the other small market GMs and not, and feel like he can't be put in a position where, you know, a guy 
with four years left on his contract, is able to force his way to one specific team. Like I, for, I, I wonder for, if that, for I, a deal that not only just for, for a specific team, for a deal that basically makes your current predicament way worse. Like, like they would have the same problem that they already have, but their lo- the le- amount of talent would be lower. And so you're just dealing with the same problem. And also, Dame generally has a proclivity to mentor younger guys. We don't know that about Tyler Hero. And so, like, like there's just all these factors that come into play. And I think, I don't know what GMs are saying, but I can tell you what I in looking at the reactions on social media from every fan base that isn't the Miami heat, everyone's like, yeah, Portland shouldn't do that deal. Not as I, I haven't seen a single fan of a team that isn't the heat say, yeah, actually that's a great deal. Portland should do it because it's the kind of like, it's, it's like saying they should do that is akin to being like, yeah, well they should just eliminate the draft and then everybody gets to sign with the Lakers. Like it's this, right. it, it's the same idea. It's like, why even have a league? Just, you know, create the overtime elite and have everyone live in, in LA and just how about that be the league? You know what I mean? Like, like it, it's like, to me, that's like the same, I, I think fans are thinking that as well. It's like, what's the point of having these teams if you're never going to be able to keep a star player or when that star player asks for a trade, you're going to get screwed. Right. And what, I mean, what I said, I, what I wrote the day that, Dame asked for a trade was that the only way for teams like Portland or, you know, whatever other examples of teams in these types of markets that have had to trade. Basically guy, not the sp- every market except for Miami and LA and, and, and Miami whether and the it was Lakers like, specifically, right. not even the Clippers. Where it was like the, the Spurs with Kawhi Leonard or Indy with Paul George back in the day or like Utah last summer with Donovan Mitchell. The two ways for those types of teams to be competitive, and Portland is in this category too, the two the two types of ways for those teams to be competitive because they're not going to get like the star free agents or like stars aren't going to like want to force a trade to Portland or to Utah or to San Antonio. You have to draft well, which I think for whatever you want to say about this front office, I think finding that, va- you know, being finding value in the draft is like the thing that they are, that they so far have proven to be very good at. And you have to not get completely cleaned out on these types of trades when you have to make them. Or just make good trades, period. Like, like I think Denver has gotten talked about a lot as, as like, well, they just drafted their team. It was home crowd. Well, not exactly. They had to make the trade for Aaron Gordon. They had to make the trade for KCP. Like, it, this thing where you just, like, and I think OKC is running up against this. Memphis is running up against this. Like, Memphis had to trade DeAnthony Melton. They've got to make a good move. I think the smart thing is it could be that for them if that smart trade, but like Denver made trades of their drafted guys to acquire someone else to fit their roster better. And it's, you have to do both things. You have to draft well, and then you have to figure out which trades are the right trades to make. I mean, there was that, there was that whole Grantland story about how it broke pop's heart to trade George Hill for Kawhi Leonard. I remember this. Yeah. But he did it. And they won a championship, and he was a finals MVP. And, like, I think if they had to do it again, they would. And so, like, I think those are the types of things that have to be done in building towards a championship. And you can't take losses on those things if that's your ultimate goal. And I think even if your goal is to build around Scoot and Shaden and Ant, you have got to find value for Dame that makes those guys – that helps accentuate what those guys do. 
as it stands today, we're recording this on July 18th. This is the Blazers' depth chart as of today. This is as of who's under contract right now. This is if if the regular season started tomorrow and no more moves were made. This is their depth chart. So at point guard, got Damian Lillard, Scoot Henderson, and Keon Johnson. Okay. At shooting guard, you have Anthony Simons, Shaden Sharp, and Jonathan Williams, who I, you know... I should put I should put the caveat that his salary is becomes is fully non guaranteed if he's waived before uh, August first. So I don't know whether he's going to be around or not. Uh, at small forward, you've got Matisse Thybul, who I would assume is going to start because they just re-signed him. Nasir Little, and then their other two draft picks, Chris Murray and Rayon Rupert. Rupert looks like forward, he's going to be a mixer. He's going to be in the G League. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. At power forward, you have Jeremy Grant, who they just re-signed, Jabari Walker, and John Butler Jr., who's on a two-way. And then at center, you have Yusuf Nurkic and Ibu Baji, who's also on a two-way. So you're basically looking at, like, a lot of the same issues that they had last year. Because So you're starting five. If if the season starts tomorrow, your starting five is going to be Dame, Ant, Thibel, Jeremy, Nurk. That's a pretty good starting lineup. Just like those four guys plus Josh Hart instead of Thibel was a pretty good starting lineup last year. But you have the exact same issue that you had last year where there's no depth, there's no experience. Like as good as Shaden was like this, you know, the second half of his rookie season, as good as people think Scoot is going to be, that's two guys with not a lot of experience. Nasir Little is the only veteran uh, on this, you know, on, on the bench, you know, on this bench unit. And he's been pretty inconsistent over his first four years. And, like, size-wise, they're even thinner because Drew Eubanks left for Phoenix and they waived Trendon Watford. So, like, it's just, you know, the waving, whatever the happens. The waving Watford thing is still, like, I I have no idea why. I mean, I know that it was before. That was just that was just his guarantee date. Okay, was, so they just did it to happens. save money. Like, that's really. Well, I think they was, like, roster flexibility. Something Joe has talked about, was, and I asked him about this at his press conference in Vegas where he talked about the Dame stuff, was... I asked him kind of how he's going to go about building the rest of the roster with, you know, the Dame thing just, like, hanging over everything. And he said that basically everything's on pause until this gets figured out. But he also said that he wants to keep some roster spots open in case they have to take back multiple players in a trade. Which is... Which makes sense, makes but, sense. Right but now they, yeah, makes sense. right now they have 13 players under contract. The league requires you to carry 14. This is not counting two ways. So they're going to have to sign somebody between now and training camp just to hit the league minimum. Yeah, well, and Uber, I mean, the two guys that I'm looking at are both from Charlotte, Ubre and P.J. Washington, and they technically, they have most of the MLE, right? They have the full MLE. They have, they, they have, they have done nothing in free agency besides re-sign Jeremy and match the Matisse Thibel offer sheet. They have all of their stuff. They have the MLE. Uh, they have the full, uh, you know, the, the, the full 12 and a half million MLE. They have the biannual, which is like four and a half. They have a $8.3 million trade exception from the Gary Payton trade that they could use if they wanted to. They have, they have the stuff. They can sign. They can do stuff. I just, I don't, and the Eddie Tavares thing, I'm probably going to write about next week. There's, you know, I've gotten some clarity on what the, rules are about the buyout there's some like that's something like i think they they want to bring him over i think he wants to come but there's there's some issues there with with the buyout that i'm going to get more into next week but yeah like they 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 have like their exceptions and they have the trade exception and they have stuff and you know if they want to they, they could you know unlock the chicago pick and use the ant and picks to do stuff but 
I think we're going to be going into the training camp and the start of the season with Joe Cronin saying a lot of the same stuff that he said a year ago about how, you know, this roster is still not complete. We know we're not good enough. We're st- it's still taking some time, which I had kind of thought that the time was going to run out on that. I know. Um, and it should have, but they're not, I mean, obviously they're not going to, I mean, if they're going to not make any moves and they want to maintain flexibility for getting a bunch of players back in a game trade, but the longer this goes, like, and the likelihood of Dame showing up to training camp increases, they have to do something. Like, 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 yeah. like, like, even if like you just want to hold out Dame to get the best deal, like, even for Scoot and Shaden and Ant, like they need the roster balance. Like, 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 like they need to do something. Like, I can, I can appreciate Joe saying that, but it's also. If they're playing hardball and saying if it takes months, it takes months, then they do have to fill out the roster at some point. You know, like 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 they they do have to do that, and they have to create some kind of team. And uh, I mean, I'm looking at the MLE. So if they use the MLE, are they hard capped? Yes. If they if they do more than the taxpayer MLE, which is which now it, you you used to be able to sign a player to a three year deal in the taxpayer MLE, that's two now. So you anything more than a two year ten million dollar deal hard caps them. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't. The thing is, is like, it seems like all the teams with cap space have dried up, and I think maybe that's you know the the problem with the mid level is that exact problem right there is that if you use it. Then you're hard capped, and if I believe if you're hard capped, you can't sign buyout guys. No, well, no, no, no. Or is that no, the, the second sec- apron? That's, that's the that's the second apron. I think a lot of that stuff doesn't kick in until next year, right? Right now, so I have their salary sheet in front of me. Right now, they are about three point three million below the uh, the luxury tax. If they waive uh, Jonathan Williams, who is fully non guaranteed before August first, they get to about a little over 5 million below the luxury tax. So they could, in theory, use the taxpayer MLE portion of the MLE and not hard cap themselves. Okay. Well, yeah, I, so, I find that... But if they, if, they do, if they do anything above a two-year $10 million deal for anybody, then they're hard capped. And the hard cap number is uh, is the first apron, so it's $172 million would be their hard cap. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, I think that definitely that complicate, but I, I it complicates things a little bit. But I think you know they could sign someone. Judging by you know the amount of guys that have signed minimum deals, they could, but I mean, there's not many of those guys left. I mean, I, and I think they really need center depth behind Nurk mm-hmm. if Nurk is going to be back there because I like Baji. Baji showed a lot of really good things, but he's never played in he's an he's never NBA played game. in an NBA game. He's still learning. They, I think I think they need a vet in that spot. Um, I just saw the oh, Yurt Seven went. Nerlens Noel. Nerlens Noel just got signed today. Uh, so so those the, like they need some kind of. I, in my opinion, they need a veteran center of some sort. Um, I've said it online. I wouldn't be against bringing back Myers Leonard, uh, but you know I know that that doesn't really get the people going, but. That's that. Yeah, that's gonna be a whole. Thing. It's gonna be a whole thing, but you know, he's seven feet tall. He's athletic, and he can shoot. I think you know. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, and if you want to create spacing for your guards and Myers sets a good pick. I mean, I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying like, like, no, that's like that. That's, that's what, that's what you're working with on the center the free problem. agent market that, that, right that, now. That, you're yeah, not exactly. And I would love, like, look, like I would love a world in which they do a sign and trade with PJ Washington. I guess I'm just not really seeing that existing. Like I get, the, yeah. I get the idea behind it. And I've always liked PJ Washington as a potential fit for the Blazers, but He's kind of an undersized five, kind of plays power forward, which you already have Jeremy, and you're paying Jeremy a lot of money to do that. I think Kelly Oubre, if if you're gonna go for a wing, would be a better fit. But it does feel like you're already coming in. Like if you're gonna, Kelly Oubre is coming in here, like they just signed Tybal. You might have to if you have this roster construction, you're gonna have to swing shading up to the three. Like I think big is probably where they've got to find an extra solution here. Um, because I just don't know if, like, for other wings, if the wing situation here is that attractive. You've watched more EuroLeague than I have. What is the Eddie Tavares appeal and draw? I just remember he was, like, on the Hawks and the Cavs for, like, a minute. I think he averages, like, 14 rebounds a game or something in the EuroLeague. Now, he's the all-time EuroLeague leader in blocks for a career. Yeah. Uh, like, he's had a really, really good EuroLeague career. He's won Defensive Player of the Year three times in the Spanish League. Like he's 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 had a really impressive career since he went back over to Spain, and you know, with Mike Schmitz being a you know such an internationally focused guy as far as like his draft work, I'm not surprised that that's somebody they're looking at. I do think it's there's but, a little factor though that like I like him in the Euro League, and he's a monster, and like he was a big reason why they won the Euro League final mm-hmm. in FIBA though. He it, the FIBA is a little bit more forgiving to the big man. There's no defensive three seconds. You can knock the ball off the rim if it rolls around. Which he's seven foot four. Like, so I, I like him. He's big and he's like he's not just like seven four and like Wemby. He's like seven four and j- jacked. Like he, mm-hmm. I think he could fit in a, in the right role. But, but I do think you know I do think some of the rules in Europe play a little bit more to his strengths. I was intrigued by the Mark Stein rumor about Dante Hall from Monaco, who's like a little bit more of an athletic and rangier player. Uh, But I think honestly, like I think Myers Leonard probably be a better fit. Like, 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 like I'm not, I'm not playing. Like I like Eddie Tavares is a monster. I don't think necessarily Myers could do what Eddie Tavares does in Europe. But I don't necessarily think Eddie Tavares could do what Myers Leonard does in the NBA, and, and and so I like Tavares, and I think it's a good I think it's a good idea. But the money stuff is so complicated. Like I'm I'm in the middle of writing a piece. Yeah, I was gonna let you speak explaining to that. it, yeah. and I am still in the process of fully figuring out what the rules are because I've had it explained to me three different ways that are conflicting, and I'm still trying to figure like. I had to like look up the provision in the CBA about what it is. And I've asked like, like I asked Bobby Marks. I asked like a few different people who are like, you know, like Eric Pink is like, like salary cap experts and, and stuff. They told me different things. So I'm trying to figure out what the actual rule is, but suffice it to say, it's very, it's going to be very, very complicated and very expensive to get Eddie Tavares over. And the more likely thing, if they were to go that way, would be for them to just do it next year because that's when his contract with Real Madrid is up and he can just sign anywhere as a free agent and they won't have to worry about a buyout. I think that that's the yeah. more likely thing. And, and to like that way, like if there's a buyout thing, it doesn't cost him extra money, it doesn't cost team money. Like, like it's, it's, and he's still 
you know, he's still the best big man in Europe. It's not like he's like living a horrible life. Like, like he, he's still right. the best center in the Euro league and it's a pretty good spot to be in. But so I, I think it was, I think it was cool to see that like they were thinking out of the box like that. Like, you know, like, like Austria, like, like, like the Suns getting Jock Landale last year out of the NBL. Like, like I, I, I like that kind of thinking. Cause that's the kind of thinking that a smaller market team like Portland has to do um, to get an edge on, on the rest of the big markets that don't really give a shit about what's going on in Europe or China or Australia. But like, yeah, I, I like that they're thinking that way, but I think maybe just for this season, it might just not be, I think there are other solutions and other ways in which they can improve the center position and the veteran experience and the strength. Sure. Because I think it's another thing about like Baji, is that Baji is a great athlete, but I don't know if he necessarily know if he has the strength to kind of body with the biggest dudes in the league. Like, you know, no nobody can guard Jokic, but at least someone, you know, you gotta have a body to kind of bang with. Yeah, him at least Drew Eubanks was not up to that. He was just not big. No, enough. no, and and I think that's that's a problem. It's like. I mean, that's why DeAndre Ayton gets $30 million because he has the size to do that, even though if he's not like most people's idea of a $30 million player. You watch more Summer League than I did. I watched the two games that I was at, the Houston game and the San Antonio game, and I just have a blanket policy that I will not watch Summer League games on TV if I'm not there in person. I know you watched a couple of their later Summer League games, and were texting me about certain guys that you like. So I'll let you have the floor about, you know, what you saw out of Summer League, who you like, what, you know, what, what, what kind of your thoughts were there? I mean, the remix fans are going to love Michael DeVoe. That guy's going to, that yes. guy's going to put up so many points, so many numbers. Like, I mean, he, 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 he had that game against, I think it was the Spurs where he just went yeah. crazy um, and, and made like every shot. And uh, so he's going to have a good time in the G League. Um, I think Rupert, Rupert had some great defensive moments. I thought he showed great defensive instincts at being disruptive on the dribble and being disruptive in passing lanes. Obviously, he also is going to need uh, some time in the G League. But you can see the raw talent is there and, and, and the athleticism and, and the instincts about where things are going to happen. Like, he has high, a high basketball IQ on the defensive end. Um, and Jabari Walker, his yeah. three was looking a lot quicker. He was taking it with zero hesitation. If you gave him an inch of space, he was shooting it quickly. I love to see that. His basketball IQ, you know, I think that was really the big takeaway from Summer League number one for him was just like he knows how to play. Uh, but I thought the three-point shot and the, and the quickness with which he was shooting it was really encouraging for him and his growth and his potential to help space the floor, you know, for the guards on the team, maybe even play some small ball five, kind of replace that trended Watford role, so to speak, where Watford was the small ball five that the Blazers usually went to. Um, I liked Reith. Uh, uh, yeah. I liked him. Uh, I think he would be great in the G League as well. Uh, he looked like he had a good jumper. He's a little bit, a little bit of an older guy. I think he's twenty-seven. Yeah, and, and and who knows? So I think you know, having vets on the G League team is a good thing. That was the whole idea behind the ignite. Right. Yeah. And, and so I I think that's cool. Gosh, I'm trying to think of who else I uh, stood. I mean, Shaden had his moments like where like he just looked like he was totally in control. 
he had that one game against San Antonio, the, the DeVoe game when DeVoe just went crazy that he didn't look very good at all. But I think in every other game he looked good. I think it felt like he had one bad game and then a bunch of other pretty good games. And to the point where he didn't play in the last one and didn't play in the second half of the second to last one, it felt like they kind of just like, hey, we we get it. Like We, you, we saw what we needed to see. Yeah, uh, I liked that a lot. Uh, I mean, Jabari Walker, I, I, I love watching Jabari Walker. I, I, I think that's like the one thing is like, I just hope he plays more. And maybe that, you know, obviously the money flexibility, but that also could have been a reason why they let Trendon go is just like, here's a guy that does a lot of the same stuff that Trendon does, you know, like – I like in, in, in that. And I think he's probably a better defender and better rebounder too. Um, than than Tri- Jabari Walker is the backup power forward as of today. They're going to, yeah, they're going to, they're going to need him. <laughs> they're going to need him. And, 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 uh, and with how, you know, sometimes Chauncey gets frustrated with Nurk, like he might have to play some five too. He, like, he, like, I remember there was one game last year where he played some five and it was successful. And, and yeah, granted that was a very, it was like a five minute stretch of one game, but you know, yeah, that's, I, I, they're not going to have many other options with the roster the way it is right now. No, no, it's, it, they, they don't have any other options. I'm trying to think of anybody else from, from the G league team that I watched that stood out. Um, I, I watched Scoot's game on replay, obviously, you know, yeah. I, I don't think I need to say anything about that. It was ever, ever. Yeah, scoots. He had rave reviews from yeah. literally everybody. Um, yeah, it was very funny. I was with Meringue and uh, we were watching and I, I, you know, Brandon Miller, I think like, like he, he was pretty rough those first couple of summer league games. He got better as the week went on. I think he's going to be fine. But there was one moment during that first game the scoot game where meringue and i were sitting next to each other on those baseline uh courtside seats on you know at thomas and mac and over to our left were mitch cup danny actually tweeted a picture of this but it was a picture of mitch Kupchak and jay cole just like you know, standing together watching scoot well and scoot and danny scoot and says, amen too because amen looked really good <laughs> yeah i mean i, I like the twins a lot before the draft too but like you know wondering like are they watching this and wondering if they did what they should have done i don't know yeah again i brandon miller's probably gonna be fine i'm not i don't want to i don't want to pile on the kid you know it you know the a point that's been made is that scoots type of player does a lot better at summer league than Brandon Miller's type of player, especially when the Hornets summer league team didn't have a point guard. That's actually kind of everybody was going crazy about that first Wemby game, which I did not see because the Blazers had the game right before that. So I was like running around doing media stuff, but Wemby wasn't good in his first summer league game, but it's also like, yeah, the sum, the summer league Spurs team didn't have a point guard. Like, of course, like your center is not going to, you know, be at his best and, his, and then he to my, his credit he looked awesome in the second yeah game. he looked great he had 27 he was hitting the he hit a huge three i mean i mean there was this one play and it happened like right in front of me because it was whatever half of the game that the spurs offense was on my side of the basket there was this one play where Wemby, uh you know he, he shoots a floater from one side of the of the of the basket it misses and then immediately he covers enough ground to like be able to in like a half a second like dart over to the other side of the of the of the basket get the rebound and then go up and dunk over Baji. he's unreal like let, it's like it, I, I, let, watching it up close is just insane yeah, yeah. And, and like he had a bad game sure but like 
like I did watch him, and like a lot of times, like there were like Kulabali was on his team, and like he got a lot of buzz. But like for the most part, when I would watch Wemby's French team games, like the guards didn't really pass him the ball. Like he's always had to fight for his own. Like he was on the uh, Asvel team with like a bunch of older vets, and like played a role coming off the bench. Like he was used to it, and and he's just, I mean. Yeah, I, I, I love – I think Scoot does have a chance to win Rookie of the Year over Wemby if, if if things break the right way. But I would not say that, like, I'm like Wemby's a bust. Like, although I have to say – also, I think an underrated factor about him having a bad first game has to be the Britney thing. Yeah. Like, that, that, yeah, like that has to be a huge factor. Like, he was, like, introduced to the American tabloid press instantly – and then has a bad game like the very next day. Like it sh- shouldn't have been that shocking that like he brought he wasn't having a good time. It seemed like in in general, so that he played poorly is as, as an extension of that makes a lot of sense. And he says something to the effect of like after after his second game where he was like, "I can't wait to just disappear from the media for a summer." Yeah, because it. Which I think that's kind of what the Spurs, I mean, I mean, I think the Spurs just like, I was talking to some San Antonio folks when I was down there, but like, it sounds like the Spurs wanted him to get a couple games just to get him a taste of NBA competition. And then they wanted to just pull him and give him a break just to, you know, because he's had such an insane, however long. Well, yeah. And he was playing up until like two weeks before the draft on, on his French team in the finals of the French uh, league. And and he also, like, after going to dinner with all the Spurs legends, like, the next day he's like, I'm not playing for the national team in the FIBA World Cup, which, like, I mean, for France, it doesn't really matter. They're already going to be in the Olympics because they're the host. Yeah. So it doesn't, they don't, ha- like, it doesn't really, like, that doesn't, the the FIBA World Cup doesn't matter as much for France as it would for the, the actual Olympics, which I think are the big, the big thing for, for him. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, I had a good. I, I loved watching uh, the one scoot game. Yeah, Miller definitely improved. I, I I'm gonna be honest though, I didn't really have a lot of other takeaways. I was pretty much only watching the Blazers in summer league. I I, I can't. I, I don't blame I, you. I don't watch. I don't watch too much summer league. Either. Like I did hear like it. I I thought the Amoni Bates story was cool. Like that he mm-hmm. that he got a two way and made a team basically in summer league after all the stuff he went through going from being the number one recruit in his class to, you know, a guy that barely got drafted in the second round. Uh, so I, I thought that was really dope. Uh, the, I think the Amoni Bates story is probably the coolest thing about Summer League um, mm-hmm. from, from my perspective, other than like anything Blazers related. But uh, I think I think the coolest thing, I think G League, the, the remix is going to be uh, pretty fun. And I think a lot of these guys are going to get a lot of good development time down there, which, you know, I think, you know, the last regime didn't really believe in the G League. And I think I think just having guys stay sharp and play real games if they're not getting minutes at the big club, if they're not in the rotation, like I think that is is ultimately a really good thing. Uh, it's And yeah. so, but, you know, I, there's obviously a lot of big holes uh, on the roster still to fill. Yeah. But, man, I'm... Some stuff that has to be figured out. Yes, yeah, they they, they do. They have they've got to figure it out, and I I just think the way that they're like I think one of those things has to give right. Like either the insistence that the Dame trade is going to take months, or 
the insistence that they're not going to do anything until the tra- Dame trade gets resolved. Like they've got to. One of those two to re- things has to yeah, not. Yeah, one of those things has to not be a thing. They've got to reconcile one of those things. And to me, I think it's more likely that they reconcile signing someone to beef up the roster because they can do that. Uh, but, you know, for the roster flexibility reasons, for wanting to keep roster spots open, et cetera, et cetera, they're not doing it. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what they do. But I, I still I, – I think they've got to make at least one move. Well, they literally, they do have to make at least one move because they have, you know, they, they have 13 under contract right now. You have to carry 14 on opening night. So, like, they have to sign something. Right. They have to do something. Well, and doesn't the MLE, does the MLE dry up, like, the rest of cap space at a certain point? Like, no, they can use the MLE the whole year if they want to. They could go in season with that if they want okay, to. Okay, so it's not the same as having open cap space in the, under the new CBA, like why? Well, why no, because the cap space there's a there's a well, no, because that's because of the salary floor. Because you have to pay a certain amount of salary. They aren't they're above, they're well above the salary. They're like well above the salary cap, so they don't have to worry about the floor. Okay, but no, they they could they could use the MLE up through the last day of the season if they wanted to. Okay, okay, yeah. Well, then yeah, they've got so they definitely they actually have to sign somebody. Uh, and I guess we'll see who that is. I mean, the PJ Washington thing comes up because he's not even like. He's not even going to sign a qualifying offer to go back. There is no buzz on him at all right now. And that's a guy that you would think there would be a market for. Definitely. But like he can shoot threes. He's he's one of the few guys in the league that can score out of the post. Like there's just not like there's not a lot of guys that like like it's so I, he'd be a good get, but like the pro, the problem is if you give him the MLE Charlotte is probably going to match and so you would have to, you know, do that as like a sign and trade type of thing. Mm-hmm. And then sign and trading like hard caps you also if you if you get a player in a sign and trade that also hard caps you so I don't I don't know what like that might be something they do but I mean yeah he, out of the guys that are left on the on the market he would not be the worst one in the world to go after yeah no but they're I mean they're yeah they're in a precarious spot and I think uh, I mean I think it was good that they resigned Tybal and they didn't let him walk uh, I think yeah. those uh, also those contract like caveats i don't think are really hurtful to portland at all no. like they have to pay no. him it's not the same thing as the one like the, the, the one that the one that justin zanuck did to maury is so funny yeah the one the one where with- the paul the paul reed contract becomes guaranteed if they make it out of the first round of the playoffs basically trolling them about never making the conference finals that's so good. oh my god that was tremendous which by the way somebody pointed out that justin zanuck was omer ashik's agent when he and daryl maury did that offer sheet together to get him from the bulls right so that was like a that was like the student uh surpassing the master with with that one i didn't that, i didn't realize that but that's that's great that 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 they did that uh no i love that that the move well i mean i personally wanted paul reed uh for the blazers just because i thought you know, he would have been good he would have been great and and i mean it was like three years 22 million like that's it's a little bit higher than the taxpayer mle so they probably wouldn't weren't able to do yeah. that but that is uh, the type of guy that I would have wanted just because, you know, a real rim runner, rim protector five. Um, but short of that, I think there we've discussed other options that they can look at. Um, but I think man, we're in a real, we're in a, uh, I wouldn't even consider what the rest of free agency is to be slop. It's like, it's below slop. What is the like? I don't even know. It's like the dregs of the slot. Yeah. I don't even. There's like not even a. There's like not even a. 
Like we'll have to we'll have to ask Trillbro dude what the nomenclature is for that because that's his that's his field of study that he's he's the expert in yeah that. yeah he is our he is our, our our fierce leader in the the concept of slop but but it's like we're getting we're getting like Woj and shams notifications now about like nerland's noel signing a one like at least nerland's noel is like a former top 10 pick so that's at least a name mm-hmm. but like a lot of these a lot of these notifications that we're getting are about like like, I think, like, Jerome Robinson, the former, like, Clippers lottery pick who hasn't been in the league for two years, signed a minimum contract, like a non-guaranteed camp invite with the Warriors. Like, that's that's the level that we're at right now. Yeah, yeah. Or, like, yeah, because we're even past, like, now that Summer League's gone, like, we're past the Isaiah Thomas private workout. The Darren Collison private workout. The Darren Collison private workout. The Deion Waiters private workout. <laughs> Uh, which actually, I will say, I did listen to Dion Waiters was on Levitard, and that was very good. Uh, th- yeah, I've heard, I've read some stuff. I think Haynes had a thing with with Dion Waiters too. I really that yeah, that was that was a lot. Yeah, that was very crazy. heavy stuff. Uh, but but yeah. very good interview. Um, have you watched this Will Chamberlain documentary yet on Showtime? No, I haven't. Uh, actually, know somebody who worked on that though. Uh, but I, I have not seen it. Um, but I would love. I, I watched the. How was it? I saw the first part today. It was good. The one thing that I thought was weird about it that I don't love, but I guess this is just kind of where this stuff is going, not just in this, but just in all aspects of life and stuff and just society with technology. But they had a little disclaimer at the beginning that a lot of the narration that was Wilt uh, saying stuff about his own life was an AI-generated version of his voice reading his quotes which i do not love Ugh. Ugh. But, but i mean i mean yeah it, that's that's some end of history stuff that i'm just like i don't, not like, really, I don't I really love that i don't like that but they only did that there was like a couple different I, i've only watched part one there's a there's three parts of this. i don't know if the other two are out but i had part one on my dvr so i watched that and some of the they had like footage of Wilt playing in high school, and it was hilarious because it was Wilt at Wilt's height playing against like a bunch of five foot tall like high school kids, and it was just it was like it, it was it was just as as ridiculous as you would expect. Yeah, I think I think I mean I've uh, the Wilt Chamberlain archive on YouTube is a great YouTube channel, and like you can oh, you yeah. can watch like so many like of those things, and like Wilt was also like a world class high jumper and stuff yeah. like 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 he was just they don't really get into that much of that in the documentary yeah or at least in the first at least in the first third of it i'm but it was it was pretty it was pretty you know i i liked it i was looking forward to it because will has not been covered to death the way that like kareem and bill russell have like there's a million documentaries about both of them there's a million biographies i mean i think the other thing is that bill Ru- is that will chamberlain's been dead for 25 years so it's not like you know, Kareem is still at stuff. Bill Russell was still at stuff until he died a year ago. Yeah. So we didn't see Wilt in his 80s at, like, all of these NBA events and always on these alumni things because he died in, like, the mid-90s mid or whatever. So there's a little bit more of, like, a mythological aspect to him where he hasn't been alive to be a part of any of the, you know, revisiting of his legacy and his history during like the internet and the social media era and so i thought it was pretty interesting and i'm 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 very much looking forward because like this first part of it that i watched today was just like you know the broad strokes of his childhood and like his you know growing up and first getting into the nba and like playing playing in college at kansas but 
I'm very interested to see what happens in the in the next two and like what what they go into. You know, if they go into some of his you know political stuff because that was like a whole thing with him or you know his impact on or on you know future generations of the NBA. Well, in terms I'm of, I feel like it, I feel like in terms. I mean, from what I know about Will from reading books and watching videos. And I remember when LeBron passed him on the scoring list, the NBA did this like really good side-by-side video of like LeBron Uh and Wilt. And there are a ton of similarities there because like, just like the nature of their athleticism. And then also the way that they were just such a star outside of what they did. Like, even though Bill, like, I think there's an argument to be made that even though Bill Russell was better and won, and always, his teams always beat Wilt's teams, that Wilt was way more popular at, in their contemporary times. Like, Wilt was just, Wilt was like... He was like in movies Yeah, he was in, he was in and yeah, and he was in like Conan, and like the Conan the Barbarian with with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And and, and like, like, it, like, the, the star that Wilt was, as I understand it, was just like, it was something more like a LeBron... In that, like, mm-hmm. everyone who, like, people who just existed in society that didn't follow sports at all knew who Wilt Chamberlain was. Yeah. I'm interested. I thought the first part of this was good, except that I thought the AI thing was a little weird, but I thought the first part of this was good, and so I'm going to watch the rest of it. I have to watch the Walton one, too. I have, See, I, I got to watch that. I got to watch that one. That's that's on my list for sports stuff. Right. We'll do a whole episode about the Bill Walton documentary once we both watched it. Yeah, right now I'm using all my free TV hours since there's no hoops anymore. I'm watching some baseball, watching and I'm watching a lot of TV shows, movies. I just started Hijack on Apple TV, uh, the new Idris Elba thriller. I'm about to start diving back into WNBA stuff, which I kind of take off before the All-Star break because I need a break from basketball. So I'm going to start getting back into the WNBA in the next couple weeks. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was watching the WNBA. They just had all-star though. So like I, you know, yeah. I, uh, I was bummed that they had the all-star like this Sabrina thing, like is the most, one of the most breathtaking displays of shooting I've ever seen. Yeah. And it was on at 2 PM on a Friday afternoon on the West coast where it was taking place. Like, um, and like tomorrow, I think the WNBA is back with, with like a 1 PM afternoon game, which is just like, Thanks, guys. Thank, yeah. Thanks, thanks, th- yeah, thanks, league cool. office and TV partners uh, for for really yeah, doing that's... a good job. There might be some more WNBA stuff coming up soon. Yeah, WNBA, WNBA corner, uh, WNBA gambling corner. It we're, could, we're, it we're, could I'm, be. I'm, I'm always on the gambling corner for WNBA. That 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 that's a frequent place for me. There is there is. Uh a thought in a lot of corners that there may be some circumstances that lead to the WNBA coming up more on this program in, in the coming, you know, stretch of time. Just keep your keep third, your third eye, eye open. Uh, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I think the, here's where I'm at with the W this season is that the aces are so much better than everybody else. And even though the Liberty have started to click a little bit, they're still, in my opinion, the aces are just like, it's it's kind of giving like warriors in 2017, 18 vibes with just- Well, you're just like, who's going to beat these yeah, guys? Yeah, it's like, it's like, who are they going to be? I think I looked at the betting odds the other day. They're minus 250 to win the championship, which is just insane. Like, 
And, and so, like, I just think they're so much better than the rest. And even though, like, Brianna Stewart, I think, has, like, a case for being the MVP and being the best player in the league, and she's got Sabrina, who's probably the best shooter in the league, like, they – it's still just, like, it's such an uphill battle against how stacked the aces are. Like, like it's it's just unreal. Like, they're – it's like a LeBron. It's like yeah. It's like you said. It's a LeBron versus the Warriors. Yeah, it's LeBron and Kyrie against the Warriors. It's 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 like that's how it is. It's just like I just don't. I if if they do if they pull it off, it would be to me that level of upset. Granted, in a five game series, the variables of how shit can happen sure. definitely open itself up more. Uh, so so I yeah. guess that's always a factor, and someone could get hurt or whatever. But if no, if all things are equal, I think I don't think anybody's beating the Aces. Um, they're just that dominant. Yeah. So, you know, we'll we'll do this again. I have a few ideas for guests I want to get in the next few weeks, but we'll we'll do this again before training camp, like in the in the maybe after we both watch the Walton documentary, we'll do Bill Walton Corner. Yeah, and if if anything happens. If any obviously yes, if 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 anything happens, but again, I don't I don't know anything that isn't out there about the Dame stuff. They haven't really talked to anybody as far as real trade discussions or I don't think anything's close. I don't, you know, uh, it's going it's going to be a minute. The whole league is basically on vacation right now. Which like I yeah. do think it's very interesting that Jalen Brown hasn't signed his extension yet. Yes, considering I think that's I think that's that's something that's it's fascinating. Yeah, and I think the, and the reporting on it has been really funny for the Boston Globe. They're like, everything is fine. Everything is normal. This is normal. When it's like, usually when guys are eligible for the max extension, that's the first thing Woj tweets. Like, Woj tweets the max extension news, or Shams tweets the max extension at news. Like at like 1201 on whatever date. Like, that's usually a done deal, signed, sealed, delivered on the moment free agency starts. So it is... I was at Summer League, and they were talking about, like, I, I was talking to different, like, folks from Boston and just kind of checking in on that for, you know, obvious reasons because, you know, it could impact some things. I mean, yeah. I mean, but, I mean that's, to me, that's but, like the best-case scenario for Portland. <laughs> but, but like, basically what everybody kind of told me was, oh, they're going to sit down at Summer League and work it out, and if it's not done by Summer League, then it's going to raise some eyebrows. Oh. Well, Summer League is over right now, and now the latest thing is, well, Jalen Brown is now out of the country, and they're going to get the extension worked out when, when he's, uh, when he's they back. They don't have DocuSign so. in those countries? It's just, uh, it's just <laughs> a situation that's worth monitoring. Um, yeah, man. I, I think that's really interesting, and I think it's, it's probably a little bit more interesting than what Boston media are trying to lead us to believe, that it's, that it's just, just going to get done – uh, because as I mean, I think one of the things that Simmons has kind of said multiple times is that like the Celtics have a sneaky cheap front office, like oh, do they? That they don't that they don't that that Wick is not keen on being like a high tax team. Uh-huh. So, uh, and I think given also like a lot of fans blamed Jalen cutting his hand open for him not being able to dribble, and then also conversely Jalen went on the record in the New York Times and was like, Boston kind of sucks. I'm paraphrasing, but like... Right, he, he's, 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 he's made it known that he maybe would rather live somewhere else. Yeah, and so... And I don't know whether that would be Jalen for Dame straight across or whether it would be like a Jalen goes somewhere and that team gives like young players and picks, which 
teams will give up real stuff for Jalen, unlike other guys that people are talking about rerouting to a third team in a Dame trade. So yeah, even, I don't know. Even I, at the, yeah, even at whatever, you're going to have to sign him to like a five-year, $300 million contract or whatever. I think that's still a lot more attractive to teams than other players. Right. So we'll just we're just we're just keeping an eye on some stuff right now. But you know what? We got an hour and five minutes out of this part In of the offseason where absolutely Let's nothing go. is going on. This is just where this is. I I'm giving us I'm giving us an A plus for how much we were able to get out of this. So we'll be back soon. We'll be back when stuff happens or doesn't happen. But yeah, thanks for coming of course, on. It's always a blast to be on the RGR, the best newsletter in the land. That's what many people are saying. And also subscribe to Blazer Banter. Uh, yes, do a that. Free too. newsletter, not as good as Sean's. It's more column e, more like a more like a blog. Like oh no, sure. we're bringing the blogs back. I mean, somebody's got somebody's got to have somebody's got to write about sports in this place. New York Times Sports Desk is gone. Like somebody's got to write about sports in this country. It's gonna be yeah. us. Yeah, that's what we're doing.